when we're younger and we're immature, I need to go hunt. I need to go get this bag. I need to go work. But as you get to this certain level, now you're like, okay, I already know the doing part. I've mastered that. But now I have to master the being part. And in the being, you're more self-aware. You're more conscious of the feelings. Whether you put a name on it or not, you begin that journey of who am I becoming? And now you start connecting some dots. And three, two, one. You're listening to The Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Welcome to another edition of The Social Proof Podcast. Today, we have another episode of The Social Proof 7 where we engage in targeted conversation. So we are here, live studio audience in Atlanta with The Social Proof 7. Um, literally, when we started uh, trying to think through this conversation, um, emotional intelligence for entrepreneurs, I, me personally, I just went through a really, really emotional time. And my emotions say, I want to sit in bed all day. But what I understand is that doesn't help me. So I, I have to not only um, manage my own emotions, but... Um, not always say what I feel I want to say to the people around me because when you cut somebody, it might heal, but you'll still you'll see still see the scar. So we have like we have to somehow control our emotions as we're uh, we're handling business. So um, we hand selected um, all seven people, well six including me. Um, but I do have to let you know that this episode is sponsored, empowered by my brother Nehemiah Davis. Let's go. Um, Inner Circle Mastermind, I am a member of the Inner Circle Mastermind. You're in the Inner Circle, right? Okay, Darius Daniels is in the Inner Circle. Um, literally, he just gave me a $60,000 play last week. Um, really uh, was a huge, huge, probably the main part of uh, the success that I've had this year because he just understands marketing and gave me all the games. So please, let's give a round of applause for Nehemiah Davis. <laughs> all right, all right. Um, and, and... The ticket cost is $100, but it cost me about $200 a person for y'all to be here. So he sponsored, said, I got you. Just keep the show going. Um, keep the ticket price low so anybody can have access to it. So he gave me some money. So shout out to Neil. You know what I mean? That's my brother. All right, cool. So um, I love her. Yeah, we can clap it up. Gave me some money. <laughs> All right, so um, I'd love to have everybody just introduce yourself, what you do, um, and then we'll jump into the conversation. We can start uh, ladies first. Hey, hey, you guys. I am Donnie Wiggins. Donnie, can, you take, can you take your mask off while you're oh. on the panel? Just, just make sure my lip gloss is good. Hey, hey, you just guys. Take it off your chin. I am you. Donnie Wiggins, and I am your favorite business coach. At least that's what you guys say. And uh, <laughs> co-host of the Social Proof Podcast. What was the next thing you asked for? That was it. And co-host of the Social Proof Podcast. Glad to be here tonight. that me? <laughs> Just means you're ready. Okay, I'm electric. Uh, good evening, everyone. <laughs> My name is Krista Rutherford. I assist women in leadership with earning raises, bonuses, and promotions through office politics and self-care. $11.2 million for women in leadership, Black women in a pandemic. That's what I do. Yeah. 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 
Hey y'all, hey, I am Coach Kelly J. I am the coach's coach. I teach the people that reach the people. I primarily help coaches go from one-on-one -on -one to a group coaching business model. Hello, my name is Zeus Luby. I'm a life coach, uh, also an entrepreneur, multi-dimensional entrepreneur. In my life coaching, I help a multitude of people attack all manner of issues. Yeah, uh, so my name is Darius Daniels, and I'm about to make up a word. I, I call myself, <laughs> it's weird you're giving yourself names, but I call myself a pastorpreneur. Yeah. And, okay, that's uh, good. and that is, I've, I've got a sense of calling to add value, not just in the church space, but deliver value through the transportation system of business. And so I lead a church called Change Church, and I'm an author, speaker, and um, uh, do some coaching primarily focused in the areas of leadership, communication, and relational intelligence. I love it. Stop. Kendall Ficklin. I uh, got a few names. Some call me Unk Pop, uh, the OG. Uh, those that love me call me Coach K. Uh, and I work with uh, individuals and organizations to help them improve productivity, performance, and profitability in the areas of leadership, team building, sales, customer service, and communication. All right, cool. So I, I want to want to start. This. My name is David Chance. I'm an entrepreneur. I'm a I'm a, a podcaster. <laughs> That's it. That's it. All I do. Um, so I, I want to start the conversation with um, kind of framing how obviously you all have accomplished some amazing things in your life and your career. Um, give me a story. Does anybody have a story where your emotions got in the way and cost you big? cost you a person, cost you a deal, cost you business, um, cost you like respect for yourself. Does anybody have a story of a situation that happened to you where your emotions got in the way? Let's go with Chris. Um, I, I was a former military officer, so you know, we're a little special, aggressive sometimes, can't help it. So when I first started in coaching, mentorship and coaching is a part of who I am. I mentored 90 black officers in the Coast Guard, and this is 106 people who work for me. So I've been doing this for 20 years. And I, a challenge that I had when I left and I started to meet women who were confused, who didn't know they were confused and didn't want to admit that they were confused and they didn't want to take action, I would cuss them out. Oh. A lot. <laughs> And I would lose the sale, but I just didn't understand why they didn't want to change because it's our job to show you and clearly articulate that you need help. And then they wouldn't, they wouldn't receive the assistance that I offered. That was just sales, y'all, but I was cussing folk out. Uh, that didn't work for me. <laughs> and what, like, what, what happened? What was the shift that happened where you stopped cussing folk, cussing folk out? <laughs> Uh, how to win friends and influence people six times, uh, meditating before I got on the phone with people, and then just really trying to, um, you know, dig a little deeper because as we know with coaches, whatever someone says that their problem is, isn't really their problem. So digging deeper and being more patient with people. Um, and so we've, we've done very well in a pandemic, but really, um, one of my coaches, Chris, you really need to to figure out a way to not be so impatient because if you're a person's solution and they walk away from you still with the problem, then you fail them. So it was taking that ownership of it's my job, not necessarily to sell them, but to get them to understand that I can help them and be their solution. And so it allowed me to slow down a little bit 
and talk to them a little bit more and be able to uh, to assist. So, okay, let me um, address an elephant that's in the room because I'm low key competitive. Is this the guys against the girls? You saw that. I'm just asking. You saw that. I, I just that's what make I was sure, wondering too. You know, yeah, before before we get going, like how serious <laughs> do we need to be, and are we trying to win something? Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I, I don't know. Me and Joe started talking about it. We said, "Ooh, we should put guys." Yes, yeah. I'm just saying. <laughs> like, yeah. Who's competitive? I, I want to be on your team. <laughs> you, you sure do. Yeah, you sure do. But I, I'm going to ask one question: um, Are women more emotional than men, or are men more emotional than women? What would y'all say? Men are more emotional. Zeus, is that true? I mean, hey, that's 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 facts. That's, I would say that's facts. That's facts. Is it really? I would that's say facts. that men are more emotional, but we do not act on our emotions as much as y'all do. Ooh. Let's come but on, get this work. When we act, though, when we act, we act. When we when you act. You act, act. <laughs> so what, what is that difference? Anybody can give some clarity on maybe the difference between uh, men, your, the generalities, right? Of how people perceive men and women more, men or women more emotional. Anybody it's, break down why? It's, it's, so with men, so with women, women explore more dimensions, more emotional dimensions. They're more emotionally diverse, okay? Men, a lot of men are emotionally stunted. So especially... I'm sorry, when you say uh, emotionally diverse, what do you mean? So women don't have an issue with... Well, a lot of women, I won't say all women, don't have an issue with exploring the side of the emotional spectrum where they are, you know, happy and loving and nurturing and compassionate. And, you know, if they're hurt, they'll say they're, they're hurt. Men, on the other hand, are a bit different, you know, due to traditions and, you know, skewed societal perspectives and standards. A lot of men you know, are uncomfortable when they go into that that end of the waters, you know, being more compassionate, more loving, you know, uh, verbalizing their love and physically expressing their love in a lot of ways. And if they're hurt, they won't just say, you know what, you really hurt my feelings. They'd be like, they, they'll express it in anger. A lot of times when men feel those those softer emotions, when they're, they're injured, they're wounded, they're hurt, they'll push it down into anger. A lot of things come out as anger. They throw it in the garbage bin and it comes out as anger. So women are, are better at expressing the full range of emotions. Men, they're kind of limited. She about to get you. <laughs> if I can go a little deeper. Yes, sir. You want to get them? Because I saw, I saw your face. Oh, you, that you, I'm going to give you the mic if you want. <laughs> Let's go, Coach. I'll take it. Um, I think that men and women both express equally, just differently. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with how the male or the female were raised. You know, were they raised in an environment where it was okay to wear your emotions on your sleeves, as they say? You know, a lot of men do. They, it's not that they're not feeling their emotion, they feel it, it just comes out in a different way. They stifle it for a long time and then it comes out, out, like Donnie was saying, but they're still expressing it just in their own way. But if you put that man that was not raised in that environment where he can openly express himself, if you put him in an environment with a woman that makes him feel safe mm -hmm. and makes it okay that he can express himself that way, then he will begin to blossom 
as an adult in those years that he missed as a child with self-expression. Mm, I like that. I like that. Uh, Kendall, and I'd love to hear your perspective as well. Um, if we go back to nature, right? Women naturally were created to be natural nurturers by giving birth to the child, like naturally birthing and having the empathy built in for the child. That's natural. We were naturally, and if I go back to a book of faith, as men born to be fruitful, multiply, replenish, subdue, and have dominion or be dominant, right? To go hunt so that she can take care of the children. Naturally, I'm not saying that you're not you're supposed to. I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm not talking all y'all, but so naturally you're born and gifted with the empathy. And I agree with what you said. So now I think as we're born and gifted with the and gifted with these different natural tendencies, there is a growth process and a maturity process. So with what you said, it is that man that's around that woman that is motherly like to him, that helps him mature into his, what I call stage five manhood. Meaning he is love and attention, regardless of what he's receiving. Whereas as a natural woman, because you're naturally empathetic and love your child that you birth, you know how to transfer that onto the man. Mm. Yeah. That's good. good That's three good. points, give us three, give us three. There's, I love your perspective. Yeah, I'm listening to everybody, and I think I align probably a little bit more with Coach Kelly. And this is what I mean by that. Um, so I'm not quite sure in terms of where I land if I would say one gender is more emotional than, than the other. I think the issue is not like the amount of emotion. It is the capacity and the methodology through which it, the, the capacity for it and the methodology to express it. So. I think someone just said, hey, when men act, I think uh, Donnie said, when men act, they act. What I've found is sometimes men act by not acting. So shutting down is an emotional response. Silent treatment is an emotional response. You talking to my wife? <laughs> Did she call you? <laughs> nah, my man. So, you know, I feel like uh, the assumption is if the emotion is, is comes is expressed outward, then that's an expression. Yeah. But if but if a person goes inward, that's not an emotional expression. Mm -hmm. And I'm saying going outward is an expression of emotion, and going inward is an expression of emotion. And men go inward, one like even that first quadrant, emotional intelligence, self awareness. They go inward because it takes them a minute. It takes us them. It takes us a minute to even figure out what it is. I gotta name it before I can talk to you about it. Can I give a real live transparent example? So we're in Italy and uh, we're out at dinner and my wife pissed me off, right? She, she said something real slick. It got me upset. Let's just keep it real, right? And um, so I got quiet. I went inward, right? I ain't wanna mess up everybody's time. So I got quiet. Somebody at the table said, well, you in that zone. I said, no, I'm pissed off, right? So we get back to the villa and um, I'm downstairs in our room and I just go in my cave and I'm getting quiet, dealing with it internally, trying to strategically figure out how I'm gonna handle this, right? So she came downstairs and um, she was like, 
You in that Ooh, zone? I grown. Yeah. <laughs> I heard, mm, Yeah. You came know. downstairs. But this is where we talk about maturity and stage five. So watch. She said, what, you know, what's wrong with you? I said, I'm pissed. And she said, why? And I told her why. And then she was like, well, I'm pissed. And I'm like, why? And she said, I don't, I don't think you, you give me enough intimacy. Ooh. Now, she done shifted the whole hookup. And I'm like, well, what do you mean intimacy? And she said, well, I don't feel like you. And I said, I don't understand in, uh, intimacy. You can tell me, but I need you to teach me. I need you to show me. I said, remember when we first got together? You used to grab my hand in the mall. And I pull it away. And then you grab it back. And I had to learn what it looked like. I used to rub your behind. And then you would, and you would tell, I'm sorry. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm saying, I want to be intimate. I want to show emotions. But there are times when I need you to share with me and show me how to really, how to really do that. So when I go inward, now I'm comfortable. I can come out and you can really show me how to do it. So question, question. Uh, one, that going inward, you said, I didn't want to ruin everybody else's time, so I went inward, I got, I got silent. That is ruining everybody else's time, just heads up. Uh, <laughs> it is definitely ruining the time, okay? But secondly, uh, how long have you been married? 11. 11 years. Second go around. Okay. I got a total of 30 in the game. My question becomes, you said, I want to be inward and I want to express that way, but you, you have to show me. It's been 11 years. At what point do we get it? Yeah. No, no, no. I agree. No, There's, no, no. That's a real, real... God no, knows it's a real question. Truth be told. Now, watch this. Here's, <laughs> a, here's, here's the good thing. Here's the thing with it. As a man, my priority and my focus naturally is to go what? Go hunt and generate revenue, right? Um, now, naturally, that's where my mindset always goes initially. But now when, when you keep at the forefront intimacy, 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 now it's being programmed along with the hunt. In between the kill, let me be a little intimate. In between the smash and grab, let me be a little intimate. So I have to continuously be taught. Now watch this. Then I told her, I said, you can't just show me one time like you did back in the day. I need you to teach me. Just like we teach and train each other how we like other things. It's got to be a consistent training. It may not be as intense, but it needs to be consistent. Hmm. I have a, um, because I think about, it, is it maturity or is it, you know, we 40 something, 40 something, you know, I know. Um, last year I was, I was dating a guy and then he said something like, I don't want to add you to my list of things to do, hmm. right? Something, something like that. And so I went in. So I said, okay, and I hung up. And so I started to think about it. Nobody can create that much deep suffering for me unless there is something from my childhood that's unresolved. So I had to start thinking, what happened and what am I now connecting this pain to? It's not him. And that's what we do as women is like, and I'm not saying all women, I would say some people, let's generalize it is that we take offense to something that somebody said, he can't cre create that much deep suffering for me. So I was sitting with it. He blowing my phone up, cause he know he messed up. Like he's blowing my phone up. And I'm like, dude, just chill because I need to figure out what did he tap? And as a kid, in some instances, my family always felt like they were tolerating me. That's what he touched. Mm. 
That's what I needed to work on, not get mad at him for what he touched that wound. It's like, okay, this is something that I now need to address. And so when I answered the phone, he was like, oh, oh, what did I do? I said, no, we're good because I found out what the real problem was. But now, will you agree not to weaponize my trigger against me because you now know what the trigger is for me? And what my responsibility is, if you say something like that again, I don't need to react from that old mind. I need to keep at the forefront that may be something that triggers me. What's up, podcaster or soon-to-be podcaster? Get ready to level up your podcast game because the number one podcast education summit of the year is back, and it's bigger and better than ever. I'm talking about the second annual podcast summit happening on July 4th and 5th in the content creation capital of the world. You already know, ATL, baby. Atlanta, Georgia, going down July 4th and 5th, two full days. Imagine this. Imagine you getting all the game you need to take your voice, your brand, your business to the next level. Imagine getting all the insider tips. Imagine getting all the know-how that you've been craving for the last two, three, four years where you're talking about you're going to start a podcast, but you haven't yet because you don't have the tools, you don't have the tips, you don't have the tricks. I don't care if you're just starting or you're a seasoned pro. This summit has something for everyone. Picture you mastering the basics of setting up your podcast or unlocking the secrets to grow your brand on social media. We're not just talking about podcasting here. I'm talking about you want to build a long form catalog, whether it's skits, movies. We got people talking about script writing. This is an incredible experience. Imagine, imagine discovering the art of securing these lucrative sponsorship deals. And that's not all. Learn the ropes of creating a pitch deck that has sponsors knocking down your door. But wait, 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 wait. There's more. This isn't just a summit. This is an experience. I'm telling you, rub shoulders with industry leaders and you got to network with the other people that are doing what you're doing. All the guests that have ever been on Social Proof Podcast, I'm giving them a free ticket. And in exchange, they promise me that they're going to sit down and do short interviews with you. We got podcast booths for our VIP members where you can sit down, pull somebody to a side and you're going to create content in real time. I know what you're thinking. How do I get a part of this podcasting paradise? Well, it's simple. All you have to do is head over to podcastsummit.com, grab your tickets now, but hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, because I have something really, really special for you. I got a little treat for my early birds, people who take action. The next 20 listeners and only 20 listeners who get your tickets right now, okay? I'm not only going to give you 20% off of whatever ticket level you get, you get 20% off, but if you use the promo code BIGDEAL, It'll take 20% off immediately, but I'm also going to allow the first 20 people to listen to this right now to be able to bring a friend, bring a teammate, bring a partner for absolutely free. You get general admission, they get general admission. You get VIP, they get VIP. Whatever ticket level you purchase, you get to bring a friend, partner, colleague, boo thing for absolutely free. Nothing extra required. My team's going to reach out to you, get your partner's name, or if you don't have the person you no, right now yet you got time no pressure you get us back but use that code big deal that triggers to let us know you get to bring someone for free so don't wait so secure your spot at the number one podcast education summit in the country join us july 4th and 5th in atlanta let's turn your podcast dreams into a reality y'all head over to podcastsummit.com use 
promo code big deal at checkout and get your tickets now. Don't miss out on the opportunity to take your podcast to new heights, take your brand to new heights, take your business to new heights with this unprecedented offer. Okay. I'll see you at the summit. And don't forget to use promo code big deal. Dang, that's good. I gotta, I, I want to know too. And, uh, I think, I don't know. Was that you, Darius? We said we got to put a name on the emotion. So this was maybe a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago. And I was trying to understand this emotion that I was going through because I had never experienced it before. And I didn't know if it was depression because I've never felt, I never felt like this before where I'm walking through my day and walking through life and it's almost like a haze. And I don't know, I don't know how to feel the stuff that would normally make me laugh and happy. It's a slight smirk and then it's it's over and it's just, and it, it stuck with me and I'm, I'm getting through it. I'm feeling better now. But I, the big, the hardest part was naming what it is. So I think I, I asked my wife and I asked Donnie like, yo, is this depression? What do, what do we call it? What do we call this? And they said, well, it's grieving. Then I start looking up grieving and I'm trying to, I'm trying to define how I feel, but it is a, it's a challenge for me. So I, I need help if somebody can help me start to identify I don't know the names or how to express what I feel. Cause sometimes I feel something and I'll just keep going and eventually it'll go away. Like a headache. Like I got a headache. You don't spend too much time on the headache trying to figure out the headache. You just go through until you don't feel the headache anymore. But in this scenario, I'm like, maybe I've been doing that with all of my emotions. Because if I can't find the name of it, I just hope that it goes away. And maybe there's a suppression. Do we need on. to know the name of it? Do we need to? I don't know. That's that, my I'm question. At, because what I'm thinking is, a lot of times we, we try to figure things out when we should be feeling it out. And in figuring it out, sometimes logic in that season of you trying to figure it out, it ain't, it ain't time for you to figure it out. So understanding, and I like that, are we suppressing? Sometimes you just got to feel it through and allow yourself to go through with it without allowing yourself to suppress it. So that when it shows its ugly head again, even if a name isn't attached to it, there's a feeling attached to it. Like I know what it feels like. How can I move through it? Yeah, I, I was working with uh, with Zeus, and let me get back in the gym. I promise, bro. <laughs> but <laughs> the cool thing is, yo. First off, and I don't even know if you if you're still like accepting clients, but it was just the dopest experience because most trainers that tell you what to do, do 20 of those, 30 of those but he's like talking to me the whole time. And like, it almost felt like therapy, which I really, really appreciate it. And um, you're kind of, you're kind of helping me work through those emotions. So how, how would you say that I can start out? Well, first off, should I be trying to define what this thing is? Or um, do I just, I don't know how to feel it. Like you just feel through it. I, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't connect with me. I don't know. So what would be your advice on that? Now you definitely want to ultimately identify because that's a part of you know what we're talking about today, emotional intelligence. You have to understand what makes you tick. And we, we talked about that. We talked about you know going into your psychological, emotional house and going from room to room to room. You know, we all have those houses, those, those rooms in our house or, or the attic or that part of the basement we hadn't been to, we hadn't seen in months or years. We don't know what's in the boxes. We don't know what's in that closet, right? And so 
When your mind is like that, when you have those spaces that you haven't visited, you don't know what's in that room. Sometimes you don't even have the key to the door to get in the room. So you have to work with somebody to, to create that key, to open that door, to go in that room, to see what's in there so you can understand yourself. Because there could be something in that room that's wreaking havoc on your life. You don't even know. It's in the room. But it's, you, you're, you're impacted by it. Just because you can't remember it, just because you don't know what it is, doesn't mean you're not going to be impacted by it. Doesn't mean your actions are not gonna be guided by this thing, this hidden thing, this unseen thing. So you have to go in those rooms, go in those dark spaces and make sure you put that work in to make sure you know where everything is in the house. I know what's in that room. I know what's in the attic. I know what's in every corner of the attic because it could be some trauma. It could be sexual abuse. It could be physical abuse, you know? It could be a death. It could be all manner of things, but it's your responsibility to put that work in to go to those rooms and those spaces and explore. So yes, you definitely do need to figure out what it is, articulate it, put a name to it, right? And figure out where it comes from. What's the score? It's kind of like Christine's. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I kind of, uh, it, it kind of just made sense because what you said, the guy said something to you mm -hmm. and it triggered you. Mm -hmm. And somehow you were able to go back into that room and say, oh, I never felt like a priority mm -hmm. amongst my family, right? Mm -hmm. But how did you how did you connect what happened to the feeling to what happened in the past? I think I think it's two parts, right, to, to what you're talking about, because you have you have deep suffering that can occur based on what somebody said to you. But if you're walking around kind of lost, I think a challenge that or where you are right now is that you've reached the stage of spiritual development that you haven't experienced yet. So your ceiling became your new floor, and now you're like, because you have it all, right? I mean, you know, by standards, like you have the family now, you have the kids, you had a very successful year this year with your podcast. Now it's like, what makes me happy now? Does that make sense? So if you're always in the hunt, you're always in the chase, it's now like, what do I do now? So how do you feel good now at this stage of development in, the, in this physical realm? Spiritually, it's like, so now it's exploring, what am I going to like now? Because your tastes have changed. Yeah, but I, I want to be able to, y'all ever have something happen to you and you feel away? And someone triggers you, but you know they triggered you. You don't like what, ha what was said. You yeah. don't like what's happening. But I thought it was amazing that you could connect it to childhood. Yeah. And how, oh, okay. how do we do that? Okay. That's what I want to know. Okay, I got that, Dan. That's part two. Second part okay. is, <laughs> um, it's, it's trauma default. What is your default response to pain? What is your default response to stress and triggers? So it, in that moment, is like, I feel this. Okay, I don't like it. How do I feel? I felt like... I wasn't a priority and I felt like I'm being tolerated and I don't like that. So when, when were the other times that I felt like that? Well, it was this, 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 but now I need to go back to the earliest memory of when it happened. So it could, you know, it's occurred 10, 15, or maybe a thousand times over the past, you know, 40 years. It's like, when did that happen? Oh, that happened when my family did this. Okay. Now I need to do that. And that's a part of the work that I do with the, with my clients is, it's not really about the money. We want our money though. It's what's triggering you at work. The boss that you hate the most probably reminds you of your dad or your mom. Mm. 
when when kids are uh, grow up in abusive households, they learn to disappear. So now you're sitting in a leadership table, conflict pops off, they disappear to the wallpaper, they're gone. So that's why they continue to get uh, not be uh, promoted and we'll look for promotion again and again and again because they're not in the room and they're like I feel disrespected I'm like but you disappeared into the wallpaper because you were taught as a response to trauma to disappear so a part of it is is feeling the emotion not reacting because I could have popped off right but I want to my goal in this stage of my life is to maintain harmonious relationships I want to have a harmonious and adult relationship. It's exhausting to argue. I don't like it. And Kristen, you know what I just heard you say was, in your growth and maturity, mm-hmm. as you're growing, you went from what should I be doing to who should I be being? And that is the answer. Part of the answer to that question is, she connected it because she's in who do I need to be, not what do I need to do. When we're younger and we're immature, I need to go hunt. I need to go get this bag. I need to go work. But as you get to this certain level, now you're like, okay, I already know the doing part. I've mastered that. But now I have to master the being part. And in the being, you're more self-aware. You're more conscious of the feelings. Whether you put a name on it or not, you begin that journey of who am I becoming? And now you start connecting some dots. All right, look, I know you're enjoying the episode, but I got to tell you, finally, you asked for it. And we created a Patreon, okay? We created an inner circle. We have amazing stories, amazing information, the how-tos from the episodes. The only thing we're missing is a community. So it's about that time. We put together our Patreon. We put together a community because we have to have conversation around the information. So even this podcast we're listening to right now, there needs to be conversation. I want to hear what you got. I want to hear what you got. Like, let's throw some stuff back and forth. And because we're a like-minded, we're all going in the same direction. When we connect, connect in a community, we can connect on other stuff outside the community because we're building real relationships. Okay. So check out the Patreon. We got three tiers. I don't care what tier you join. Um, the support is, um, the support is appreciated. Okay. Thank you so much. Now back to the episode. So I have a different perspective on how you can get to that answer. I know for me, I started to trace certain feelings and emotions back to my childhood when I started to study emotional behavior and emotional intelligence. Like there are questions when you actually intentionally start to study, like reading spiritual laws, books and books about emotional intelligence and listening to people who are expert in these areas, they begin to ask questions that make you reflect, right? So I was... Let me say, before I go there, let me just say, I don't necessarily believe that everything that I might feel connects to some trauma that I had in my childhood. Sometimes people are just dead wrong. It's easier. Yes, but how many people would have just hung up on my man? Don't call me back stupid. Because what he would have said. How many people, like, you just would never talk to the person again? Y'all lying. Y'all know y'all lying. Me. I wish somebody would say to me. (laughs) And that's just me being me. And it's not connected to anything. It's disrespectful, no matter how you slice that pie, Mm. right? That's how I feel about that. But there are also some things, like I had to ask myself, um, why wasn't marriage a priority for me for so long? Why am I able to just dead a situation romantically at the drop of a dime? Donnie, you have to get to the bottom of this. You can't run away from everything that doesn't feel good. And I started to, without knowing, 
I started to study like spiritual laws and spiritual behavior, emotional law and emotional behavior. And then there are certain questions that arise, like uh, what's your relationship with your father, right? Well, I was able to connect with the fact that I may have, a, well, I don't may, I have abandonment issues because my birth father who was married to my mom decided to leave when I was two years old, right? Because of some choices that she wanted to make professionally. And so he left. And then my stepfather, who is the father that I have known all my life, um, when I was 19 years old, I came home from college one day and he got this amazing career opportunity in California. We lived here and he had to leave like within two days. And I was totally distraught, right? Completely distraught. My childhood, my, my birth father, um, the one or two times that I met him, he, his attempt to connect with me was to shower me with gifts. So I buy myself really nice things on a regular basis and I think it's a response to, I don't need that from you. That's not what I'm looking for, right? What I'm looking for from you is commitment to being here and showing up. So whenever I got into a situation where I feel like this isn't going to work or I don't like how this feels or maybe he's not happy, I'll cut it off. I'm done, bye, because I'm beating you to the punch. Right, to, avoid to avoid abandonment, I do the abandoning. Right. So I wouldn't have known that had I met. There's this book. Um, I can't think of the name of the book, but it's by a guy named uh, Gary Zukov and his wife. It's like spiritual partnership. Spiritual partnership is so good. And in this book, really through uh, back in 2020, when the pandemic first started happening, I got. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Really connected because we had nothing but our four walls, right? So I started to really dive deep because you have to be spiritually grounded and emotionally stable to survive just solitude. And so I got really connected there and he began to answer these questions or ask these questions. And I, I became intentional about pausing and answering them. And there are questions like, 
How did you feel as a child? What did you love most about your childhood? What did you dislike most? What do you what do what do you remember feeling that scared you as a child or caused fear or made you uncomfortable? And when you sit and you sit in these questions and answer them, then you're able to say, you know what? I really didn't like when mom and dad hollered at me and it scared me so badly that I just shut down and I got quiet and I went in my room. And then you can connect that and say, well, maybe that's why I shut down and I go in another room and close the door or do X, Y, and Z. But get really intentional about asking yourself these questions because you don't know. It's not like magic, like, oh, she ticked me off. Oh, you know what? This happened when I was two. Ask yourself these questions intentionally. And maybe it would be a good idea for us to put together a list of triggering questions that can connect those answers. Strong. That's good. Strong. How many points did she get for that? We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. We're winning. Coach Kelly, I want to know, you deal with a lot of people, you deal with people who put together communities, right? So I know, obviously, from our interview, it's not just the what to do. So, but when you're coaching people, and I want to hear from you too, Darius, because you um, you lead a large congregation as well. When you're when you're talking to someone who wants to become successful, what is your path where you're not just teaching? Okay, do this, this, and this. What are some of the first things you have to break down before they can reach the thing that they want to become? Great question. Um, when I first start coaching a leader, because I, I coach leaders. Mm -hmm. I have to first find out what story is it that, they're, that they are telling themselves. Mm -hmm. And I need to find out of the story that they're telling themselves, how much of it is true and how much of it is a story. Mm -hmm. So I begin in that conversation to divide real fears and self-imposed fears. Can you give me an example of a client? Maybe like when these, this is, cause I need, I need to see a line in the sand and what you're talking about. Like, for example, um, I had a client that was very successful, but she's scared to go over a bridge to work. I mean, this is just basic. She drives 45 minutes around the city so she doesn't have to go over a bridge, which, is, which would get her to work in 10 minutes. Now, we all know the likelihood of that bridge going down for the two minutes that she's on it is not going to happen. But in her mind, that's a real danger. So helping her work through that. It's not a real danger. Did it come from anything? Like she was on a bridge and it collapsed or? Movies. It wasn't, it wasn't anything real. Nothing ever really happened. But when someone tells themselves for so long that something is a fear, the longer they tell themselves that, the more real it becomes and then it's real. Mm. If it's real in their mind, it's real. Did y'all catch that? Yes. Okay. So okay. we tell ourselves all kinds of things. Um, so that was just an example of not a real, you know, one that she thinks is real and one that isn't. But the second thing that I do once I divide what is this, what, how far can this person go with the stories they're telling themselves is we go into belief. Mm -hmm. Like uh, Jasmine said when we got started, you have got to believe that you can go to your next level. If you think that Keisha can do it, but you can't do it, then you're not going to, uh, work your late nights or you're not going to put in the work that you're supposed to be putting in if you don't believe that you can access and unlock that thing. Third thing, very, very, very important um, is it's not the tactics and the strategies that get you there. It's who do you need to become 
to get there. When you work on who it is you need to become, the tactics and strategies, they come so much easier when you're the person that's like, this is what I'm doing, not I'm trying, but this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. It has to work or it has to work. We're going after it. There is no plan B, burn the boats, all the things. This is what I'm doing. Then it just becomes easy. Man, I was, I was at a mastermind and, um, and yeah, cause I, especially because you deal with leaders as well. Um, I was at a mastermind this past week and it really, it really started to make sense where um, Chelsea to Myron, Myron Golden, he said, everyone is doing 100% of what they can do being the person that they are. So he was like, yo, congratulations. Y'all, you're doing everything that you can, but the results aren't matching what you want because the things that you're doing is only at the level based on a person that you can accomplish. You feel me? Like a, a third grader can only play basketball, but so good. You might be the best third grader, but y'all, I, I, I want to be able to shoot further, but your arm's too little. You know what I mean? Like, so I'm thinking, who do I have to become? In what areas do I have to grow to be the person to meet the level of success that I want to have? So you deal with a lot of leaders, right? And obviously if someone is a leader, they probably already have a bunch of stories that they've been telling themselves that have worked out. Right. So when you're when you're bringing somebody into one of your programs, uh, what are the first steps that you take to get someone to that next level? Um, first of all, y'all dropping gems. I'm sitting here like I don't know if it's, wow, if I can it? take notes or what. <laughs> I'm like, yo, I want to take notes. Uh, but but anyway, the first step for me is always going to be this. We need to define success for you. Yeah, that's going to be the first thing, because this is what I found. I found at least in a lot of the cases and spaces that I that I work and serve in, it's people define success as overachievement in one area. So if you win in one area, then all of a sudden. Hold on, hold on, because I got to let that sink in. So you said people define success as overachievement overachieving in one area. In one area. And so I'm not saying that that's wrong if that's the area that actually matters to you. So this, I'm going to tell you what I mean, right? So this this view that I got, like, in both worlds that I live in, you take, and hopefully most people in here are watching this don't have a lot of experience in this, but in terms of one of the worlds I live in, I do, in the life situations when people are dying. I've never been in a situation where somebody has asked for things. They always ask for people. Where's such and such? Where's such and such? So it's possible, right, to live your life having a flawed view of success where the things that actually matter most to you are getting the least from you. And you don't want to be at the end of your life before you figure that out. So my first step, now this is this is for people who are really serious. My first step is we do what's called an obituary exercise. And that is, I want you to write out what you want your obituary to be. What a, a, obituary and eulogy exercise. What are some of the things you would want people to say about you when this life is over? Now, let's reverse engineer that and let's ask yourself the questions. Are you actually taking the steps that you need to take so that that actually happens? And so everybody, you, everybody, you got a right to define what that looks like for you. Um, but even like in the entrepreneurial space, whether it's business achievement, whether it's money, I'm just telling you there never feel like there. There, you're like, okay, when I get there, I'm gonna feel, you get there and then you realize 
okay, now I'm at the bottom of another level. Yeah. And then you get to another level, you're like, yo, now I'm at the bottom of another level. That's a fact. And so for me, it's like, yo, def- define success for you, where your proclaimed values are your actual priorities. So like for me, like my core values, like my mentor told me this, a standard, not a standard, if you won't suffer for it. So there's some, Sorry, say it again. a standard is not a standard if you won't suffer for it. So your core values are your standards. And so for me, there are certain things I'm not willing to violate to win. Mm-hmm. But if, if I hadn't design, de- defined success for me, that won't happen. Does that make sense? So I'm not going to destroy my castle, my marriage and my family to build an empire. So that's just, so it means, Say it again. so so how successful are you going to be, Darius, in the business space? As, success, as successful as I can without violating what actually matters most to me. Hold on. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think it, all, it all starts there. You define it and then you, re- you reverse engineer it. What's the kind of person that I need to become, the kind of person I need to become, and now what kind of investments do I need to make in myself to become that person? Like who do I need in my life? to become that person? And then what are some of the tactics and strategies that I kind of need to implement into the daily rhythm of my life so that I'm constantly becoming who uh, I've got to become? I love that. And I think uh, one of the themes that I'm hearing is just becoming something. And when we do it, when we take the break and when we eat, uh, I think it's going to be really important for you all to just just start to think about the person that you want to become. How many of us just never really like sat down and like thought about, okay, who do I want to become next year? And we do our our... Our, um, our New Year's resolutions, right? So in our resolutions, we probably wrote down all the stuff that we wanted to have or all the stuff that we wanted to do, but very few of us write down who do we need to become to even accomplish all that stuff. And what I, 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 was, I had this conversation on Instagram and I thought, my position is it's way easier to build a business than to build an ideal body. So you know, no, that's not what you said. Well, you said way, success, yeah, in that space because anybody can build a business and then it'll fly. Well, becoming a success, yeah. So I'm comparing a successful business, or you know, based on if you know, exceptional success, yes, exceptional success. Get it right. Now. Versus losing sixty pounds. That's because you could. And here's my thing: you could. Have a marketing team, build a funnel, something like that, that could do some work for you. But in that work, nobody can work for you. So my question is, it's not just about drink water, stop eating sweets, come to the gym three times a week. How do we, how do we get people past um, all the things in their head, especially like the reality of I am overweight and I've tried over and over and over and over and over again. How do you get that transformation out of people? Because you can't do it for them. No. You can only assist. Right. So how do, how do you attack it? That goes to the point that you made about having the conversation. And it, it, it is a therapy session because I meld the fitness training with the life coaching. Because normally when somebody's not taking care of their body, right, there is a psychological, there's an emotional component that's out of whack that has them in that space. It's not just a matter of, you know, it's, it's not purely fitness. That's too one-dimensional, right? And we're not one-dimensional creatures. So you have to find out why they landed in that position. All right, I'll give you an example. So 
I had this uh, client where we first got together. Um, he was around 300 pounds. He was a raging alcoholic. Um, and he was a functional alcoholic. He would like drink all day and, and, and night on the, on the weekends. He would get twisted and he would go right into work. He was an attorney, right? Going to work, function, and then do the same thing over. Eat crazy, drink every day. And uh, it got to the point that his breaking point was when he, he was engaged to be married to the love of his life and he destroyed it because he had an emotional outburst while intoxicated. So he really hit rock bottom. He really needed help. So we worked together and I got him to lose like 80 pounds. I got him to quit drinking altogether and change his perspective. We drilled down deep and addressed his childhood issues. And so when we were done, he was like, man, you, you saved my life. Right? And so because I had such a positive impact, such a transformative impact on his life, he moved his best friend, female friend, down from Chicago to Georgia so she could train with me and life coach with me. Right? So we sat down, she was, she was overweight, and she couldn't figure out why she was overweight. She had been working out, she'll stop, she'll start, she'll stop, she'll start. And so we talked for about 15 minutes, and in that 15 minutes, we came to the conclusion that the reason why she's so out of shape is because of physical and psychological abuse from her father, right? And that led her to create this habit as an adult where whenever she would make a mistake at work, in her social life, she would punish herself by going to eat the most unhealthy food she could find. And was doing this like unaware. She didn't know why she was doing this. But she would do it every time. But it took that conversation for us to peel back those layers to determine why she was doing this and why she was putting on so much weight. And so once we flipped that switch in the early stages, then we started working out and she finally started to build the body that she wanted and create the life that she wanted. So it's never just the, the, the physical, right? If you're, if you're already in shape and Life got too busy and you're not hitting the gym as often as you'd like, so you're not as lean as you want. That's just physical, right? But if you're out of shape and, and you really want to be healthier, but you keep abusing your body with food, with alcohol, with other things, with pure neglect, there's a psychological and emotional component that has to be located before you can really make a change. You don't mind So, um, when I get key lime pie, you got key lime, right, Beasley? I'm not necessarily abusing myself. <laughs> you know what I mean? But how do, we, how do we get somebody to make a decision where um, they're at a grocery store, they make a decision to fit, you know, go on this fitness journey, but I'm, I'm just making, I'm making the wrong decision. I should get salad, but I'm going to get the cake. Like, what are, like how do, because it's the decisions in the moment. And I think we have to become something to make better decisions. But how do we do that? I don't know if anybody's been through that journey because I'm vegan every three weeks. You know what I mean? So I'm in it now. Um, I'm training for a half marathon, right? I don't like running. Yeah. I don't like not having cheesecake or bread. Uh, I don't not like it. However, See, that's abusing yourself. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I you don't, just don't. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, however, what I'm after is more powerful and more important than what I want. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. And so when I attach it to that, right? And every for everybody is different. And what are you after? I need to get rid of my man boobs and I'm trying to get my guns back. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, so I, I'm 54. I'll be 54 in a couple of months. And I'm, I don't, I went back home and stayed, stayed with my uncle, like my father, he's 74. Stayed a week with my mother, she 82. And I see the way they get around. And I don't want that mm. for me when I'm 74, 82. You saw that and saw yourself in I'm, in, I'm inspired to be healthier and live healthier so that I can continue to do what I'm doing. Also, I have too many people counting on me to produce up to a certain point. So when I attach those things to it, I'll get up and go run 5, 10, 15. I'll run a half a marathon. I'll sacrifice that key lime pie every once in a while. I had some cheesecake last night. But, uh, but what you want to do has to be more important than what you want to do. Mm. Oh. And sometimes oh. it just boils oh. down. It, it, yeah. it hit me. Yeah. It, it took a couple <laughs> seconds to hit me. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. What you say it, say it one more time. What you want to do has to be more important than what you want to do. Yeah, for sure. Sometimes it just boils down to exercising your discipline muscle, period. Like I get asked all the time, Donnie, what motivates you? What keeps you going? How are you getting up and you're working every day? You're creating content, you're posting, you're teaching, you're doing this, that, and the other. And I'll be totally honest with you. I am not motivated to do much of anything more than 50, 60% of the time, but I'm disciplined because what I want is more important than what I want to do. And for me, for the record, Zeus, I tried to get uh, David in the gym with me several days. Is this what we're doing? Because I'll tell the story. Is, I'll tell the story a couple weeks ago. This is this is what we're doing. First of all, let me talk. Okay. <laughs> I did attempt to get him in the gym with me. It was a flat. He wouldn't even pack the workout clothes. And I get that mindset because I have been so disgusted with going to the gym that 
I wouldn't even pack the clothes. Like if I don't have the clothes, you can't force me to go to the gym, right? Mm -hmm. But here's the thing. Once I make it to the gym, I am beast mode mm -hmm. in the gym with the workout. It is actually getting from my bed or from my car or wherever it is to actually get to the gym. So now it's the discipline of who I have to be in that moment just to make it to the gym. And so I implemented a system where I have an accountability partner who sends me a text message like, get your butt in the gym, get on FaceTime. I need to see that you're there, mm -hmm. right? I have to pick up and answer this call. If I see the call coming, if the call comes in a second time, I'm dragging myself out of bed, going downstairs and hitting the gym. Why? Because it got to a point where I did not like who I saw when I looked in the mirror. Mm -hmm. That's just as simple as that. That is enough motivation for me to figure out the discipline. I want to look a certain way. When I go to the 25th reunion, Donnie didn't follow. Okay? Donnie did a whole lot of things, but falling off is not one of them. All right? So it's, it's more about the discipline. Like sometimes we just have to get out of our own way. And discipline doesn't have to be a big gesture right now. Maybe you don't like going to the gym and discipline for you may be, let me just go in for 30 minutes this week, one day. Let me go one day for the next two or three weeks, right? Because the goal isn't for you to lose the weight. The goal isn't for you to get the abs. The goal is for you to work your discipline muscle up enough where going into the gym becomes regular for you. So now then when going into the gym becomes regular, let me increase it. Can I go three times a day? Maybe spend 45 minutes. The, the activity over and over, practicing that discipline over and over will build that muscle up. You, you know what I just heard Donnie say? That discipline that kicked in is what rise above, rises above the emotions of not feeling like mm -hmm. doing anything. So yeah. discipline says, I can't let the way I feel affect the way I flow. Yeah, yes. I, I heard something different. I heard accountability. That's right? the accountability. I ended up working out with Jay Lopez. He has premium prices. So he had a $97 package and then the premium price. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Chris, did you do 97? No, because there's pain in that. It's, 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 there's pain for me to get up and work out in the morning. The $97 isn't working. Now, when I pay the premium price, I was like, oh, you getting up, right? You laying in the bed. You be like, oh, no, you're going. Run. I'm running in the rain, you know, <laughs> like I'm working out because the pain of me not getting the result that I invested into was more painful than me, like, break through that inertia to work out. So it was getting to the next level um, mentally, but yeah, the accountability. And then we have to take pictures and send them every Friday. Yeah. Mm. So that's the difference is like, okay, so on Thursday, yeah, I'm looking at some, some Fruity Pebbles or something. I'm like, you know you got to take that picture <laughs> tomorrow morning. <laughs> so it's the accountability of what I look like and then having the accountability, I'm, I'm sorry, the accountability of the pictures and the pain of the money that I invested is what... Uh, it worked. It's what worked for me. It's Gosh. figuring out how those calories add up because I would have eaten the fruity pebbles. <laughs> I don't think me eating the fruity pebbles today is going to show up by tomorrow. And if I just go to the gym tomorrow, we'll work the fruity pebbles off, right? Right or right. right? That's what I said about That's, that cheesecake last now, night. Now, <laughs> what I, what I love about the accountability piece is really mm -hmm. important. Many of us are are coaches um, or coach in some capacity, whether it's one on one or group or whatever it is. We cannot miss a call or a meeting with a client because on the other end are people on that Zoom waiting. That's accountability. And so we are very successful and we thrive in that space because we have that accountability measure there. They show up, we have to show up too. Or we get a bad name out in these streets. 
So now it's like, maybe if you know Zeus is gonna be at the gym before you and he's only there to see you, you'll have to go. For me, like you, I had to pay my month in advance. Let me pay you in advance because <laughs> you know me, as soon as I had an issue being late. Mm -hmm. Tardy, tardy, tardy. David got sick of it because as long as you let me do it, I'm gonna do it. David got <laughs> sick of it, Joe got sick of it and they said, hey, you have to pay us $50 each every yeah. time you're late. Mm -hmm. $50 isn't a lot of money, but I don't want to give my money to these guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it comes with a whole lot of Instagram posts. Yeah, yeah it's, you know, I, I just, I'm not feeding you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I believe now in the last four or five months that we put that in place, I've been late like two or three times max, whereas it was consistently every single day. What is the accountability measure that's going to cause the pain for you? Is it paying in advance? Is it choosing a time where your trainer is there only to see you? Because if it's group training, it's like, uh, he got other clients there. It's not, you don't like to let people down. Mm -hmm. Right. 100%. And, and so when does that accountability turn to responsibility? Yeah. Mm. Mm. Don't talk to me. You I mean, you are the focus. But what you hear from different people is that everybody has their own source of motivation. And that's a part of emotional intelligence, understanding what makes you tick. I'm a, I'm a proponent of everybody has a switch that can be flipped. And if you create depth, the more depth you create to your why, your reason, your motivation, your drive, the, the harder it will be to be unhinged. So an example for me is um, my I have a daughter. I'm a, I'm a full custody father. Um, my baby girl is, is 18. Okay. So she's not a grown woman now. Good Lord. So anyway, so when she was born, um, she had asthmatic complications, major asthmatic complications. And uh, as the months passed, her asthma just picked up more momentum and it got progressively worse over time. And there were many times when we ended up in a hospital in the emergency room and she had to be administered steroids in order to break uh, those those bouts and those fits of asthma. And so um, before she was a year old, we almost lost her. And I remember being in the emergency room and, and watching her, just looking at her with her labored breathing hooked up to all of these machines and all of these devices and these tubes. And it, it, it devastated me. So my goal was to make sure that when she got old enough, I was going to do whatever was necessary to break that stranglehold asthma had on her. And so asthma runs in my family. And um, thankfully, it skipped me. So I had a, the first portion of my childhood, I was super active. I was all over the place doing everything. And when I turned 18, it hit me like a ton of bricks out of the blue, even in the midst of me being active. And I couldn't understand why or where it came from. And so instead of, you know, my family was like, when I, when I had my first asthma attack, they all just kind of circled me and they all slowly pulled out their inhalers and said, here you go. And they joined the club. And I smacked all of them away. And I was like, nah, I'm not, I'm not gonna cripple myself with, with that. I'm gonna figure out how to work my way beyond this. And so I started studying the body more deeply, the respiratory system. And I developed these breathing exercises that mimic the effect of the rescue inhaler. And so when I would have my asthma attacks, I would implement those breathing exercises. And then I, I dug a little bit deeper and I determined, okay, I need to find a way to work through this and beyond this to beat this. And so, you know, I, I determined that I could run my way out of asthma. If I just strengthened my lungs 
enough, I could outpace the asthma. And so I started running. I got a little $30 treadmill from my friend up the street who was broke. I ordered the part, I fixed it. Jumped on it for the first time. I was on there about two minutes, fell on the floor, huffing and puffing. But I got back up, I got on it, did it again. Over and over and over and over a period of weeks and months. You know, I was on there for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, an hour. Then I started running outside. Because that was the hardest, that was a true test of my endurance. And I struggled through it. But before I knew it, I was running two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine miles. And so that was the last time I had problems with asthma. Right? So I ran my way out of it. So when my daughter was in the hospital and she was suffering through these asthmatic complications, my thought was, okay, when my baby girl gets old enough, I'm going to teach her these breathing exercises and I'm going to go run with her. And we're going to run our way out of her asthma as well. So my push, my drive was I have to stay in enough shape when my daughter is old enough. I can go run with her. You follow me? And so last year when the pandemic hit and they were saying that asthma is a comorbidity, a major comorbidity, I was like, now is the time. Co what? Comorbidity, which Explain is. That, is spell that for him real quick. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. <laughs> so, uh, comorbidity is any uh, pre existing condition or ailment that uh, makes you more susceptible to the harsher symptoms of COVID, right? Mm. So, if you have a heart disease, that's a comorbidity. You have asthma, that's a comorbidity. So, my daughter having asthma, even though it was under control because she's been working out since she was 10, because I, I put her on this fitness regimen it was time to focus on the lungs. And so she wasn't in school. I was like, now's the time. Baby girl, we gotta start running. She was like, okay, daddy. So we went to Stone Mountain and we, and Stone Mountain is five miles around with a lot of hills, if y'all been to Stone Mountain. <laughs> and so we got out there and of course she had to stop like 20 times and then 20 turned to 15, 15 turned to 10 and then five. And then she made it her first lap around nonstop. And we celebrated. I was super proud. And then she started doing it faster and faster and faster. And so she's been running for, what, all, going on two years now. And so after she had been running around the mountain nonstop for about five, six months, took her back to her respiratory specialist, pulmonologist. They checked her lungs. And they finally took her off the medication that she had been on since she was since she was born. Mm -hmm. So that was my motivation. So when your motivation has depth, mm -hmm. right? When it has real strong, deep roots, it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? You're not just going to stay in shape for the summer. Yeah. You're not just going to get in shape for a wedding or so you can look good for, you know, turn 50 photo shoot. You will stay in shape for the long haul if you can make it mean something to you. So when I work with my clients, we drill down deep, we peel back the layers. If they stay long enough, we peel back the layers, you know what I mean? So that we can create, we can create those deep roots that you can't pull out the ground again. And you were able to take the time with your daughter because Dave wasn't showing up. Yeah, exactly. Up? Okay, I had way more time. Dave is just happy with seeing all the extra adages around his waist when he looks in the mirror every day. And until you're not comfortable seeing that, Beasley, I'm still in you like looking Parmesan, soft bro. rather than hard. <laughs> and that's, that's totally fine. Soft right, is was, a look All right, too. so Do Donnie is uh, throwing me under the bus. So let's get, <laughs> I wasn't going to do it, but. Uh, no, so no, no, she, no, no, no. So we, we had to go to Clearwater for this mastermind. She said, 
yo, are you going to come work out with me? I'm like, no. I'm real with myself. <laughs> she said, well, at least pack the clothes. I'm like, nah, I'm straight. So we go. Did you work out? I did. No, you didn't. When? I did. When? The second day. We was there for four days, Dottie. Okay, another situation. The another situation. Day. But I still worked out Look, three days that week. It was crazy. And I'm a terrible friend. I'm a terrible <laughs> friend. But she was like, uh, we were earlier in the day. She was like, yo, let's go to the mall and go pick something up. And that's her thing. Like, she shops. So I was like, nah, I got some stuff to do. And she's like, all right, cool. Um, I think I'm going to go to the gym. Something like that. So I wrap up this photo shoot. Just, t just stop me when I'm lying, Donnie. I go to this photo shoot and I wrap up early. I'm like, yo, I'm downtown. I'm about to go to Linux right now. She's like, oh, but I got to go to the gym. I was like, Donnie, it's raining outside. I'm like, yo, it's raining. Why would you? And she was like, is it raining? Really? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like, I thought you wanted to go. There's some things in this store. We got the little rapid, the little 50 store. We'll just... Let's go over there. She's like, it is raining bad out there. <laughs> Shopping took her out of the gym. And she came to Linux with me without going to the gym. I wasn't going to pull the story up, but she didn't throw me That's making the bus. you look bad. Why are you negatively influencing like yeah, that? Exactly. If we're going down, you are not going to No, no, so I, I wasn't going to the gym David, I have specifically asked David at this point multiple times, Please don't be a bad friend and hold me accountable to what you know I need to do to be great. And then he's like, you saw the new Rolex? Hey, I now, was, I was, I, though I, I did skip the gym that day, I, I still made it three days that week, which is my personal goal. Mm -hmm. okay? I didn't go that day, but I did go. <laughs> Look, guys, we're going to jump into a, a part two. We're going to eat real quick. And... Um, uh, we have a part two coming. Again, this episode is sponsored by Nehemiah Davis and the Inner Circle Mastermind. Y'all there? We clapping up for Neil? All right. Um, so we're, we're going to have a break. This is what I'm asking you to do, because I want to start the conversation off after we eat. We're only going to take like 25, 30 minutes or so. Um, but I want you to like debrief the conversation at the table. It's one thing to listen, but it's one thing to give your own perspective to everybody that's at the table, okay? I want you to really talk through your triggers because I'm actually going to try to find out what everybody's trigger is when we come back. David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shands himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you'll also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays, and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com you know how to book flights and hotels all you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive that's why you need viator Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 
Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. 